Let's pray together. Father, we ask once again that you come by your Spirit and you inspire the reading, the proclamation, the hearing, the understanding, and the application of your Holy Word. Lord, we, your Word never comes to us and never, it's never empty. Lord, it never comes to us in a way that it doesn't seek to change us. And so I pray that it would change us today, Lord, that... Um, you just open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have for us so that we might become more Christ-like. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Let me also remind folks before I forget that after church today, those who are on the prayer team for tonight, I think we're staying afterwards for just a few moments to go over what we'll be doing tonight. So if you can, just stay right after. Well, we're looking at John chapter 6, and uh, our text comes after Jesus has fed the 5,000, uh, after there's been a storm, and he's uh, walked on the water, and then he begins to, to teach uh, in chapter 6, verse uh, 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Thanks be to God for his holy word. We'll, of course, come back uh, to this text in just a moment, but I want to begin with another text. Uh, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus asked his disciples, verse 27, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? The disciples had, had apparently heard about all kinds of possibilities or they had thought of possibilities themselves, and so they told him, verse 28, well, some say John the Baptist, Others say Elijah. Others, 
say you're one of the prophets. Opinions varied about Jesus in the ancient world, as they do today. So Jesus asked the question he had been setting them up for in verse 29, but who do you say that I am? And this time, Peter, who sometimes didn't, but this time Peter got it right. You are the Christ. You are the Christ. Meaning you're the anointed one. You're, you're the long-awaited Savior. I believe that's the most important question that you and I must ask and answer. Who do we say Jesus is? Who do we say Jesus is? Scholars have some things to say about Jesus. Pastors have some things to say about Jesus. Uh, your parents and grandparents may have some things to say about Jesus. But when you and I stand before Jesus, he's not going to ask the first question that he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? Jesus is going to look at you and I and he's going to ask, who do you say I am? Jesus is going to ask that of each one of us. Each one of us. It's the most important question I believe that each of us must ask and we must answer. It determines our eternal destiny. It determines how we live now. It determines what are the priorities in our lives. It determines who or what and how we're going to worship. So in order to answer that question more fully, I, I believe we need to continue to look at what Jesus said about himself. Uh, Jesus taught many things about himself, obviously, in the Gospels. But in John's Gospel, Jesus made seven statements that specifically focus on his identity. We refer to these as the I am statements. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life in John 6. I'm the light of the world in John 8. I'm the gate of the sheep or the door of the sheep in John 10. I am the good shepherd again in John 10. I'm the way and the truth and the life in John 14. I'm the true vine in John 15. And then I am the resurrection and the life in John 11. And, and you may have noted by the Scripture references that that last one uh, is out of order. That's because we'll want to intentionally focus on Jesus as the resurrection and the life on Easter Sunday. That's when that one uh, will fall if all goes as planned. What, what makes these statements unique is the phrase, I am, or in Greek, ego eimi, I am. It, it's an emphatic statement. Uh, it's, a, it's a statement that points to Jesus' divinity. In John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And every Jewish person listening that day would have recognized that Jesus was equating himself with the identity of God given to Moses in Exodus 3. When God spoke to Moses in verse 14 and said, I am who I am. When the people ask, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And it's from that phrase that phrase I am that we get the sacred name of God Yahweh or Jehovah 
Jesus was clearly asserting his divinity in John chapter 8, and I believe he continues to do so in these seven I am statements. So as we go through these statements, I want you to think in terms of how uh, Jesus is declaring his divinity. These are emphatic statements of Jesus' divinity, that he is indeed God with us. So let's turn to today's statement briefly for a little while. I am the bread of life. In the first part of John chapter 6, Jesus has fed the 5,000, and they've eaten their fill, and the people are excited because they've seen a miracle, and Jesus perceives that they're going to come upon him, and they're going to force him to be king. And so he decides to withdraw and to get away to a mountain. Meanwhile, the disciples started across the sea, and they're heading to Capernaum. And the sea became rough, and Jesus walked out on the water to them, and as he climbed into the boat, the sea calmed down. They went on to the other side together. And the next day, the crowd crossed over to Capernaum. They realized he had left and he had crossed over, so they were seeking Jesus. And Jesus knew why they were seeking him. They were seeking him because he filled them up, because he gave them food. So he began to teach them that that's not the food you really should work for. He said, you should work for food that endures to eternal life, which he, the Son of Man, Jesus, would give them. So the people asked for a sign. They said, give us a sign like the manna given in the Israelite wilderness, like our forefathers had. And Jesus responded, verse 32, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The people then asked for this bread. They said, give us this bread always. And Jesus responds, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Folks, Jesus was pointing to himself as the true bread which alone satisfies the needs and the desires, the hunger of the human soul. It's only in trusting in Jesus that you and I find what we truly hunger for. But why did he use the, the image of bread? Well, that was a common image for that day. Everyone knew about bread. And the word he used, artos, uh, encompasses not just bread, but it means all nourishment, all food, all that's needed. So as we continue this morning, think in terms of, when you hear bread, think in terms of nourishment. If you get hung up on bread this morning, some of you are going to say, well, why do you talk about bread? Because bread's not good for you. Some of you healthy people might think that. Uh, me, I love bread. My brother and I made jam sandwiches all the time. Two pieces of bread jammed jam together. We, we loved it. Uh, but some of you will get hung up on it and say, oh, yeah, but some people can't eat it, you know, because of gluten intolerance. Don't get hung up there. Think When you hear bread, think nourishment, period. Jesus was saying that, yes, you need nourishment, but the nourishment you really crave, the nourishment that will save your soul and give rest to your soul is me, says Jesus. 
let's look at some basic truths about bread or nourishment. I think it'll just help us to see what Jesus is saying about himself. First of all, bread or nourishment is essential. It's necessary for life. It's necessary for life. In Jesus' day, literal bread was necessary for life. It was the primary staple of that day. Without bread, people died. They simply could not do without bread. So Jesus was claiming to be the one whom men, women, and children could not do without. Let me ask you, are you trying to live without Jesus? Are you trying to live without Jesus? For some of you, I'm asking, have you ever trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior? But many of you, for many of you, I'm acknowledging that you've trusted in Christ as your Savior. But I'm asking, does your living reveal how much you need Christ? Does the way you live every day reveal how much you need Christ? Or does the way you and I live indicate that we're primarily going our own way? That, that we're primarily depending upon self? We're primarily trusting in self? And you can get by that way. You can manage for a season, but you cannot thrive. You will not be alive spiritually apart from Christ. You will not have life abundant and life eternal apart from Christ. Do you understand this morning that Christ in a relationship with Christ is essential for your life. Essential for your life. Second, bread or nourishment is suited for everyone. Yes, I said earlier, some people can't eat bread because of gluten intolerance or something of that nature. But nourishment is obviously suited for everyone. We're designed to need nourishment. Likewise, Jesus is suited for everyone. We're designed to need that relationship with Christ. Not just some, but everyone. We all need Him, whether we know it or not. Some will say, well, you know, Jesus may be all right for you, Danny, but, but I don't need Him. Others will say, well, you know, He's only for, for the simple-minded, but not for us intelligent folks. Some might say, well, you know, common people might need Jesus, but not, not us sophisticated people. Others might need him, the, the poor might need him, but, but not me, I, I've got my wealth. Folks, Jesus is suited and needed by everyone, from the poorest and the ordinary to the wealthiest and the king and the queen sitting upon a throne. He's needed by everyone. He's the one we need. He's the one who knows you and I, and therefore he's the one who's going to meet the needs we have. A uh, third thing we know about nourishment is that you and I need nourishment daily, daily. When Jesus taught his disciples and us to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Again, he wasn't just talking about bread. He was saying daily Give us, Lord, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, daily give us what we need. Provide for us each day physically, spiritually, emotionally. 
When we put together the Lord's Prayer, give us our daily bread and, and I am the bread of life, I think we must conclude that Jesus clearly cares about our physical lives. He does. It's right to pray for food and homes and clothing and all the necessities of life. We should trust Him daily for all those needs. But please notice, I said needs, not greeds. Needs, not greeds. Tragically, as we saw last week, many Christians allow the love of things to intrude in our relationship with Jesus. And, and we end up being materially blessed, but we're often spiritually hungry. One of my favorite hymns is the one that I asked uh, us to sing this morning. And I find it very convicting, especially verse 3. Cure thy children's warring madness. Bend our pride to thy control. Shame our wanton selfish gladness. Rich in things, but poor in soul. We don't want to be rich in things and poor in soul, folks. Toby Mack said, saying something very similar. I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul, right? And he got it from Jesus because Jesus said in Matthew 16, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? God gave us hungers. And those hungers and their desires in and of themselves, they're beautiful. We're meant to have them. But they can become dangerous when they're wanton when they're selfish, when they're out of control. Pastor Stephen Lawson recently suggested in a, uh, in a podcast I was listening to, a video cast, that our daily prayer should be empty hands, extended upward, and just asking God to meet our needs in accordance with His will. Just meet my needs, Lord, in accordance with Your will. And that includes my physical needs, my emotional needs, my spiritual needs, but I'm trusting in you daily to meet those needs. And then nourishment finally is needed for growth. You know, we start telling our children really young, eat your fruits and vegetables, you know, if you want to grow up healthy and strong. Church, we need some fruits and vegetables. We need ourselves to feed on our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to go deeper in our walk with Christ so that we will grow up healthy and strong. Much of the church today is anemic because we're trying to do too much in our own power. We're not turning to the bread of life, Jesus, and trusting in Him for our growth. Beloved, Jesus is the bread of life. I truly believe He's the one who gives you and I the life we crave. All of us have longings. All of us have desires, and they're fine. In fact, some of those, as I've already said, are healthy desires that God has given us. But too often, we, we expect to find those longings met in the latest fad or, or the latest self-help book or a new job or a new relationship. Johnny Penny Legion writes, 
we keep looking for the next thing because the old thing that was once the next thing has left us hungry. Hear that again. We keep looking for the next thing because the old thing that was once the next thing has left us hungry. What we need is for our souls to be satisfied by Jesus. He offers us Himself. He offers us a relationship with Him that will not only feed us now, but feed us for all eternity. I am the bread of life, Jesus said. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Does that mean all of our other cravings go away? Of course not. We're human. And in and of themselves, again, they're not bad. But they all leave us longing. They all leave us longing for more. Augustine famously wrote, Thou hast made us for thyself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until we rest in Jesus. We have a restlessness. We have a desire. We have a longing. We have a God-sized longing. Some refer to it as a God-sized hole in our hearts. Whatever you call it, the point is, I believe this longing can only be filled by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as the bread of life. Have you trusted? Have you trusted in the bread of life? And if you have, are you seeking the bread of life each and every day? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are the bread of life. And Lord, if we can be honest with one another this morning and honest with you, we surely must all confess that we go chasing after so many things. We're guilty of thinking the next big thing will satisfy that craving in our souls. And pretty soon it leaves us empty because it's an old thing. But you're never old. Your faithfulness, Lord, is new every day. You are the bread of life. And so, Lord, we, we come seeking after you. I pray, Lord, if there's one today who has never turned to you and trusted in you, that today would be the day of salvation. That today would be the day that they'd say, Lord, I don't fully understand all that I'm saying, maybe, and, and I don't fully understand what it means to be, trust in the bread of life, but, but I'm going to take that leap of faith, and, and I'm going to trust in you. And I'm going to trust you to show me day by day what that means. And Lord, if one's praying that even now and they have questions, I pray that they'll reach out to someone and we can come alongside them and, and talk with them about that decision and what it means and how important it is. For many of us, though, Lord, we, we made that decision years ago. And, and we just ask that you would remind us again and again now how much we need you. Remind us that you are the one who feeds our souls. 
Remind us again and again that, that you're the one who, who meets us physically and emotionally and spiritually. Oh Lord, begin something new in our lives today and draw us unto you the bread of life so that we would not hunger or thirst and we would have life abundant and life eternal. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with all of you today and forevermore. Amen.